to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goals. Welcome everyone to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and our guest today is Eric Martell. Eric purchased his first apartment building when he was just 18 years old while still at university. And then after graduation, he was dismayed to see hundreds of company pension plans being rolled over into 401ks, shifting the retirement risk to employees. This led him to forming Martell Turnkey, and after just four years of rapid success, he was able to retire from his day job. And today, Eric wants to share what he has learned through his own experience so that we don't make the same mistakes as he did. So welcome to the show, Eric. We're excited to learn about your journey and how you really you know, got started in real estate and got to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you. So if you can start off by sharing you know, just a little bit more about your background, that would be mm-hmm. wonderful. As you mentioned, I mean, my first apartment building I bought when I was 18 years old. And the reason why I bought it, I was still at university at the time studying actuarial science. And for those who don't know, actuarial science is basically the science of financial risk. And this typically actuaries work for pension plan and insurance companies and stuff like that. And that's what I did after graduating. Yeah. So, and I had met this man that was just a regular uh, teacher, community college teacher. And he had on his own, like built a 36 unit apartment building and, but he was still teaching. And uh, I thought I was very inspired by what he had done. And so I knew that I had to kind of like latch onto him and then learn as much as I could. So that's what I did. He, he agreed to be my mentor and from his, with his knowledge and really his knowledge, but mainly his encouragement is I was able to buy a eight unit apartment building, no money down and still cash flowing. So as you can imagine, it was probably not eight last neighborhood, but uh, still it was, a, it was a great experience. And at that time, my focus was really just about learning real estate. It was, and it was also about proving to myself that it was possible to make money without having to get a job like nine to five. Because my parents, you know, they were just like regular lower end, like middle class working, you know, nine to five, paycheck to paycheck, you know, like most people. And so I knew I wanted to be different then. And so that was kind of my first experiment. And so that really opened up my mind to a lot more opportunities after that. So then after that first eight unit apartment, you know, you were still working your W-2 job at the same time. Well, when I bought that, I was still at university. After Mm -hmm. that, I went and got a job as an actuary. And, you know, so I thought, okay, this is good. And my job as an actuary, I was working in pension. And every day I was closing down what's called defined benefit pension plan and converting them into uh, basically 401ks. And that's what I meant. Like, you know, when in the intro, I mean, you mentioned like shifting the risk to from the employer to the employee. And that's really what happened. Now it's just a savings account that you have and you do what you can at retirement to to find, you know, to get a pension. The defined benefit was much better because you would know upfront how much you can expect at uh, at retirement. It'd be like a percentage of your final salary. So, so that was, that was much better. 
And so from there, what else did you do after that? So, yeah, so this really opened my mind up, uh, like this first experiment, I mean, really opened my mind up to, to doing more independent work. So I worked as, as an actuary for a while, but then technology was starting to come in, like more, I would say there was technology. I was working on computers and stuff like that, but, but these were like mainframe computers that I was working on. And now we were seeing more and more PCs coming on the, uh, you're too young to remember that, but uh, <laughs> to even know about that. But uh, yeah, there was a time when the, you didn't have a cell phone and, you know, <laughs> and uh, you had to work on the, the computer was in a big room on its own and all of that. So yeah, so the PC was becoming more prevalent. There was a lot more uh, companies that were interested in implementing PC. There's a lot more demand for software. And so I decided to do more independent consulting on that. And helping companies, you know, build software, build application for their for their business. And so, you know, one of the things that you had started off with, you noticed that, like, from an employment standpoint, they were shifting a lot of the risk back onto the employees. Yeah. And so, can you talk a little bit more about why that's the case, and and then what are some ways we can hedge against that? Mm-hmm. So that's a good question, right? So because in those days, right now, the defined benefit pension plan, they there are very few, uh, few of them out there. There's been kind of going down and down since, uh, you know, 30 years ago. And now uh, the only people that have defined benefit is, are really government workers or very large companies like GM or GE or something like that. The rest of us have something that's called the 401k, which is really a savings account. And the difference is that the defined benefit is going to say, you're going to get at retirement. If you retire at 65, we're going to give you 80% of your final salary. I'm simplifying, but that's basically what happens. So you know that, okay, well, today I'm like, let's say 40 years old. So I know that 25, this is an example. I'm not 40 years old, Uh, but (laughs) 25 years from now, I know that my salary is probably going to increase at about 3% per year and blah, blah, blah. And then this is, I'm going to get 80% of my salary at retirement. And then we have kind of like the three-legged stool. So I'm going to get my social security, how much I'm going to get from uh, social security in terms of uh, pension. I'm going to get my defined benefit pension plan. So 80% of my salary, and I'm, I'm pretty good for retirement. Now, the situation for most of us is that I have social security that I'm going to get. And then I have a bank account that I'm going to save for and 401k, but how much, how much do I have to save? Some people are going to tell me it's like a million dollars. Other people are going to tell me it's $2 million. And the answer is really, it depends. It depends what the interest rate is at the time. It depends what the inflation is at the time of retirement, depend your age, it depends on all kinds of different factors. And And also it depends on the growth of that account. So over the 25 years, so I don't, I can't guarantee that my savings today, what are they going to grow to at retirement? So it's very difficult to gauge what it is. And that's why in my book, I talk about kind of like flipping this around and start working on passive income right away. So really uh, start looking at what are your expenses today and kind of assume kind of that they grow at a certain rate, something that you can control. Your expenses is something you can control. And then and then start working towards building passive income over the next 25 years, accumulating uh, 
my favorite investment uh, is real estate, but start to invest in cash flowing rental properties, you know, year after year. And at 25 years old, you're going to be at 25 years from now, you're going to be able to retire and you can see your progress as you go. Every year you're going to see you're getting closer and closer. You could be a little bit more aggressive and you can actually retire early. And so if you really invest like very, uh, very quickly and, you know, save a lot more and invest earlier, then you may actually end up uh, being able to retire early, which is better than what the situation people are in right now. No, thank you for that. And so you've gone down the path of passive investing yourself and you've been able to get to a financial freedom stage where you're comfortable with where you are at. So what were the kind of the first steps that you were able to take and why did you decide passive investing was um, good for you or the right move for you? So my goal was passive investing. I, I started really looking for that in 2001 after the dot-com crash. I said, I need to have passive income so that if my job is at stake or anything like that, I know I have something that can come an income that I can count on. I also knew that eventually everybody needs to retire. Everybody needs to stop working. So it was a good direction to go into and start building towards that. And I tried all kinds of different things. I tried, uh, you know, having, uh, we had a, like a low carb grocery store. We had a gourmet sauce company. We had a uh, catering business. And so we tried all kinds of different things. And I had looked at real estate at the time. I had looked at the, in 2001 and 2002, I was looking at rental properties, but I lived in California. And then a lot of these, the properties that were for rent, it, first of all, they didn't cash flow. If you just did the regular financing in order for them to cash flow, you had to put a lot of cash up front, and then your return on investment was very low. So then I decided, well, that's not really a good, a good investment. So I'm just going to keep with the stock market, even though we had just experienced the dot-com crash. Uh, I knew that the stock market would come back up eventually. But yeah, so that's that's kind of my thinking at the time is that I was looking at real estate uh, in 2001, but it didn't make sense where I was in the market that I was. And it really took a long time for a few things to happen. First of all, uh, technology to evolve so that we can have electronic documents signing you know, like DocuSign and Dot Loop and all, all those things. Uh, mobile technology, you know, like it seems like mobile technology has been around for a while, but if you look back, the iPhone really didn't, didn't start that long ago and uh, it's like 10 years ago. So it's not that, well, I guess 12 years because when iPhone 12 or 13 but, you know, so that's, it's not that far off. And then now, because of these technologies, we can, it expands where we can invest in real estate. And this is why about five years ago, uh, we decided to invest out of state. And we looked at, at Memphis, we looked at, uh, at Cleveland and other markets that were cash flowing. Um, so I did a whole bunch of uh, analysis of all the different metropolitan area. And then we put picked a couple of markets where this would work. They were landlord friendly. They had good unemployment. They had good business diversification and good rent to value ratio. And um, 
And basically now we were able to find a realtor that they had a mobile phone. They were able to text us very quickly information about the property, send us pictures and videos. And we were able to do some of the properties with the video walkthroughs and stuff like that. Things we wouldn't have been able to do, you know, even like 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So, so that's why, <laughs> that's how we were able then to expand our search. And then we decided then to invest in, uh, in Memphis and our first house we bought, I think in 2017, first house paid like $40,000, $20,000 in rehab and did refinancing. And it was like, you know, cash flowing, great returns. And then we knew that this was the thing to do. And then we just doubled down. A few months later, we did two more. We knew we had the right team. We knew that we had the right market. And then we just kept going. We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now, we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us, because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level, and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Well, that's great. And so once you made that shift that you wanted, that you didn't want to invest in your backyard in California, you know, and then decided to move out of state, what was it that made you comfortable about investing out of state, not being able to see the property, not being able to visit it? What was it about it that made you okay with doing that? So is having the right team on the ground, somebody we can trust, it's is very, very important. So we have uh, one person in uh, in Memphis that is kind of like well right now it's my my son that's really my our hands uh, eyes and ears on the ground and uh, leading all that there. We used to have a realtor that was present and very responsive. You know we would be able to communicate with him and he would respond within within a couple of hours, day or night, weekends and stuff like that. We have one in Cleveland right now who is that realtor. I don't know how he does it, but. Uh, we do a lot of properties. We do like, uh, we have like probably like 40 projects right now in Cleveland, uh, that are at different stages of development. And he's managing that he has a small team that helps him, but still is just phenomenal. And that's the kind, these are the kind of people, the team that we need to have to be able to grow, to be able to, to do it with confidence, knowing that they are very responsive. They know exactly what we're looking for. And now they're actually steering us into different, slightly different direction or, uh, or expanding on neighborhoods where we are, because they are seeing that some other areas are being uh, remodeled a little bit more. There's more investment going on. So they're saying, Hey, we should, we should be investing here. We should increase our ARV here. We should increase that. We should increase the rent, you know? So that's, so they're really an integral part of the team and they know that their success is tied to our success and vice versa. 
after you formed Martel Turnkey, you know, you were able to, within four years, able to retire from your day job. And so how are you able to get to that point? And if someone's starting in real estate and wanting to get started in it, and then they see the progression of it, what are some of the steps to be able to at that get to that level that you mm-hmm. have? So this was a dramatic step. And a lot of people called me crazy when we did that. But really, once we knew that it was working, we had the formula that was making uh, good returns, good cash flow. Then we said, okay, well, we just kept doubling down and uh, we knew we had the right team. So now we were kind of like looking for equity, like where, where's the money? Like we need more, we need more money. We need to really invest almost everything we have on this thing. And then I'm very numbers driven, being an actuary and all. I, and I kept looking at where is where's the equity, where's the money. And we had a house in uh, in Foster City, California, that we had bought in 2001 or 2002. And when we bought it, we thought it was a ridiculous amount. But now it was two and a half times the ridiculous amount we had paid for. And then we just like okay, well this. And to me, like I always imagined, I see the equity in the house. And I imagine I visualize the equity in the house, like sitting on the couch. I work like 10 hours a day, you know, as an independent consultant. And then I come home and I see the equity on my couch, watching TV while I worked all day. So uh, I have to put that equity to work. I have to figure it out. We tried, we looked at refinancing. It really didn't make sense. Uh, we could get a little bit of equity out. We did the HELOC. We maxed that out uh, to invest in uh, in turnkey. And then we were at the next stage, which was sell the house and rent a house. And um, and when you have it at a certain point, renting a house is actually cheaper than buying the house. I know it's counter, but this is that's what happens. So anyway, so yeah, we decided to sell the house, get all the equity out of that, uh, invest in more turnkey rental. We also had an apartment building that was offered to us. So we invested in that apartment building, which quickly followed by another apartment building. And then we had enough cash flow to pay for our rent and pay for living expenses and all of that. So. And so for someone who's just kind of starting and they're looking at their expenses and maybe they don't have the capital to get started, what are some of the ways that they're able to utilize in order to start making the moves into real estate? Yeah. So I think the key is always knowledge. So even if you don't have money, you can make money in real estate. So uh, you can have, if, if you know what a deal looks like, what a good deal, and do you know investors you can do something that's called wholesaling, right? So yeah, I know that some investors, they're looking to rehab. These guys have money. They're looking for houses that they can fix and flip, or they're looking for rentals, or we're, we're looking for apartment buildings or, or uh, rental properties in Memphis and Cleveland, for example. If somebody knows kind of like the criteria and they come to us and they say, hey, I have this deal for you, uh, then, you know, we can, we pay to get access to the deal. And then we, we, uh, we basically yeah, pay the person the finder's fee for these deals. So I think the key is really knowledge is uh, really fine. Knowing what a deal looks like 
and then being able to have the network to uh, to basically shop that deal around, put it under contract, and shop the deal around to find uh, someone who is going to be willing to to buy it from you and give you a finder's fee. Thank you. And so from your experience, you know, what do you think are some of the things that we shouldn't be doing when we're starting to get into real estate? Can you repeat that? I'm sorry. Sorry. What are some of the things that we shouldn't be doing when we're starting to get into real estate? Some of the cautionary things that we should be mm-hmm. aware of. I think it's losing focus. I think that's what that's what uh, most people do. And uh, it's very important to first look at the resources that you have. So how much money you have, who has money that you you can draw from, uh, family and friends that may have capital and cash that they want to invest in you. And then look at how much time you have available to invest, because some of the strategies that you might have might require a lot, a lot of time. So if you're planning to do your own fix and flip, and do your own, so let's say you're a contractor and you want to do your own construction. Well, that's going to take a lot of time that, you know, you could be paid to do uh, another job somewhere else. So understanding the your time commitment that's needed, I think it's also very important. And then identify a strategy that really fits your lifestyle, that you understand very well. And then you just keep tweaking it until you find, you make, until you make money at it. What I've found is that there are a lot of people that are chasing the big returns and they keep going from strategy to strategy and then kind of like getting training from this guy and getting read this book and this book and this book. And then they don't focus on anything. You can make money with any of these strategies. The question is really to spend enough time in to really understand the strategy and really spend enough time to kind of like tweak it every day and then finding like what's breaking what do i need to here to really make money here here i was very close why didn't i make money or here i lost you know and then so that's kind of the idea here spend enough time this you can make money in all of these strategies and so what are some of the barriers that you see that people are facing as they're trying to achieve financial independence so I think the, the biggest one, obviously, is uh, access to capital. I think this is obviously the biggest one. Uh, sometimes people also forget that they have capital that's available from, uh, from other sources, like their 401k, for example. So you are able to borrow from your 401k, but you're also able to change to a different custodian that would allow you to invest directly in real estate with your 401k. So understanding kind of like what you can do with that, with these 401ks. So that's, that's important. Finding the capital is key. So uh, it takes money to make money, but real estate, the nice thing about real estate is that you can use leverage like nothing else. Like there's almost no investments that are like that and you have tax advantages doing it. So that's, that's, this is the right business is just the question is access to capital. There are a lot of different ways to get the capital, private money lenders, hard money lenders, banks. If you have good credit score, you can, you can have access to capital. And so Eric, you've, you founded Martel Turnkey and now you've achieved your financial independence. So what is really next for you? So right now, I mean, we're really expanding on Martel Turnkey. We're actually going into into different markets. I have my two sons that are working with me and, you know, I ask them, you know, where do they want to take this? And then they basically, they're young, so they they don't want to stop. 
And I have a few more years, so I can, can keep going. And um, it's a lot of fun. We're having a lot of fun doing it. And we're helping a lot of people uh, achieve financial freedom because they can buy basically these turnkey rental and start building a portfolio of passive income that, you know, with as little as $20,000 down, and they start building their passive income portfolio. And after 15, 20 houses, you have a significant amount of income. And then you can maybe retire early or have a little bit more flexibility with your life. So that's what we're doing. We're expanding in other market. We're also looking for apartment buildings, always looking for multifamilies and stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> awesome. Seems like there's a lot in store for you in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so one of the things that you've also done is you've written your book, Stop Trading Your Time for Money. And so far in that book, can you give us kind of a brief overview of what you talk about a little bit and then just kind of the highlights of it? Mm -hmm. So my book is really, I kind of look back at my experience and I say like, how was I able to get to where I am today? And then how can I help? How would that help other people do that? And I think the first one is really about, I talk about the mindset first, having the right mindset and kind of to move forward. Then we talk about uh, kind of setting up the strategy and making sure that you find the right strategy that fits you. That's why I spoke a little bit about resources, making sure that yeah, how much you're how much do you have in terms of time, in terms of capital, and in terms of capabilities? What are the skills that you have or the skills that you, from others that you can draw from others? And then you can identify your market and all of that. And then everything needs to be aligned in order to achieve your goal. And then finally, I spend a lot of time on the, the skills that you need to identify a deal, an opportunity, and then a process for finding your first deal and then closing that deal. And then after that, it's about last chapter is about scaling up. So how do you do it again? It's repeatability. And this is the nice thing about, uh, about real estate again, is that, you know, it's not just one off. Once you find a way, a formula that works, it's just a question of repeating the formula and tweaking it to maximize your, your return. Yeah, I think that's great because, you know, like they say, success leaves clues. So if you're emulating yourself and you're seeing the process that somebody else has already created, you don't really need to spin your wheels trying to recreate a process that has already been created. There's going to be different challenges that come across the way. But, you know, if you start having those conversations with people, you know, you're going to learn along the way and other people might have a similar type of um, experience that they can share. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I was hoping to do. I shared a little bit about my experience and stuff like that to kind of highlight uh, some of the the skills or the things that I was uh, discussing. But my whole idea was to basically remove barriers, uh, break down barriers between you and your financial freedom goal. And Eric, so how has real estate investing impacted your life? Well, I mean, it's given me everything I wanted. Two things that I really wanted in life. I wanted to work with my family. Uh, that's not their goal, but that was mine. And <laughs> now they want to wait, work away from me. But uh, no, but uh, I think being close to my family was something very important to me. And um, now the whole family is working. We're working together with Martel Turnkey. So it's just phenomenal. Uh, I wanted to build a legacy for my children. And now uh, the children are building their own legacy and me as well. So it's just phenomenal. And then, yeah, I mean, having the financial freedom to do what we want, I think it's great. 
Yeah, I think it sounds really wonderful to be able to share that with your family and mm-hmm. then have your your two sons really take that and run with it. And then they're going to be able to share that with their children later mm-hmm. on in the future as well. And the wheel just keeps going and going. Yeah. Yeah, because I think part of the part of the issue too, like when you're a parent and you have your children, building a legacy that they're gonna take on after you're gone is difficult because they will have to be interested in the business. Like if I'm a, a restaurant chain and my kids are not interested in food, then the legacy is not going to go anywhere. But uh, so it's great that my children, my adult children, <laughs> they're 25 and 23, you know, are heavily involved in, uh, in this. I don't, when we meet other people, I don't tell them that they're my kids. I just say they're, he's my business partner. And uh <laughs> Sometimes I say they're my brothers, but <laughs> <laughs> definitely can pass for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I'm the younger one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Eric, what is one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Well, so imagine my first building I bought 18 years old. And then I didn't even care about passive income at the time. I didn't care about you know, you're young, you have your life in front of myself. And then I was studying actuarial science and I thought, oh, I'm going to get a job and all of that. And if I had known what I know now, if I had known then, I would have gone and continued with real estate and really pushed that a lot further than I have. So that's, oh, well, you know, <laughs> better late than, than ever, you know? So, but yeah, that's my one regret, definitely. And what is one thing that's the successful people part in the real estate investing business? I think it's uh, one thing only. Oh, I would <laughs> say, uh, I would say focus. I would say mm-hmm. focus. That's a good one because it's so easy to, you know, get distracted by all these different shiny objects. And so yes. by focusing, you know, you can really become the expert in your field. And more than never, you know, this is so incredible right now. The level of distractions that we have is just incredible. I mean, recently we, you know, you probably heard about Clubhouse. It is interesting, but (laughs) I know it is, uh, you spend a, let's, the polite way of saying it is that you spend a lot of time and people spend a lot of time on it listening to other people and it's kind of numbing and it's not really uh, helping them go forward what they should be working on in my opinion (laughs) that's politely (laughs) and what some tools or techniques have you used to improve the efficiency of your business or your personal life also constantly tweaking tweaking the process we have a number of systems here that that we're using we have like a customer relationship management software we have integration with other our accounting system our website and all of that so focusing on the process and then being able to and this is key also because we want to be able to hire other people we kind of want to put the business on autopilot in in some way so hire people and telling them exactly what their role is and what they need to do and how to use the systems to make that happen. So, so we tweak every day. We just tweak here, tweak there. Tweaks and improving every single yeah, day. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. So Eric, really appreciate having you on the show today. And um, thank you for sharing all of your knowledge. And My pleasure. Our, thank you. And if our listeners wanted to find out more about you and your company, where can they go? 
So my website is uh, martelleric.com. And I think if people want to have, my book is on Amazon, Stop Trading Your Time for Money. It's on Amazon, the, the Kindle ebook. Uh, if your listener want to get it for free, they can go on my website, martelleric.com slash giveaway. And then they just need to enter their email address and I will send them a copy of my Kindle ebook, which is currently on sale for $10 on Amazon. But uh, so you're going to get that for free. And on Facebook, you can reach me on at eric.martel.ca. And I'm also on Twitter, E underscore Martel, not Twitter, Instagram, E underscore Martel. Awesome. Well, thank you, Eric. And I really appreciate it again, having you on the show. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonifestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.